We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome back to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit for a free contest entry today. I'm your host, Josh Hayes, joined every Monday by Benny Ricciardi, as we are back again with an NBA season opener preview for today's show. You can always find Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and over at RotoCurve, RotoWire, and as a featured writer on the DraftKings Playbook. And you can also follow me on Twitter at JoshHayesFS and find me hosting the Fantasy Hoops Insider Podcast over at thefantasyhoopsinsider.com. Benny, what's going on, my man? I'm very excited. We got some NBA basketball starting up again tomorrow. You know, football still going on. Great time of year. 
Yeah, absolutely. Hoop, there it is, man. So just when you thought you could take a breather and relax because we're only covering one sport, no, sir. No, sir. We are but in this full is, swing. This is good, though, because it gives me something to do between Monday and Friday now. Yes, you know, so. besides overanalyze every DFS matchup. That, for... Yeah, that's it. Besides look into every NFL game 15 times over and over again for something that I've already seen 14 times. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, I'm, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to have a little bit of a break. So we're going to go full swing here. With NBA, obviously the, the Rotowire Fancy Basketball Podcast is five days a week, so make sure you subscribe on iTunes and, uh, or on Stitcher and give us a rating or review if you get a chance to and let us know that you enjoy the show. All right, let's go ahead and kick this off here. Three game slate. We have a, a whole six teams in action for, for, for Tuesday here, October I'll take, 27th. I'll take what I can get. I ain't complaining. Yeah, absolutely. So Detroit, uh, versus Atlanta Tuesday. Uh, 5 p.m. Uh, West Coast time. Chicago faces Cleveland. That'll be an interesting matchup also at, at 5 p.m. Uh, West Coast. And then we have New Orleans versus Golden Slate. So just, I, I think we're looking at like five out of six playoff teams here. So be pretty interesting to see how this all shakes out. Let's go ahead and start with the Detroit at Atlanta matchup. We're just going to talk about what we're looking for in terms of fantasy value. Here, here's your starting five for Detroit. Reggie Jackson at the point. Uh, shooting guard, Contavious Caldwell-Pope with Jody Meeks behind him. Then you have uh, uh, Marcus Morris with Stanley Johnson, which is a matchup we'll definitely talk about here in a few moments. Uh, Ersan Ilyasova at the power forward, and then we have Andre Drummond at center. Then you have Atlanta featuring Jeff Teague with the uh, upstart Dennis Schroeder, or Schroeder uh, behind him, so we'll talk about that. Paul Millsap uh, is at power forward with Mike Scott. Small forward is... Uh, I think it's currently listed on Yahoo as Thabo Cephalosha, but I've heard that Kent Bazemore may actually be starting uh, this game, so that's something to pay attention to. Shooting guard right now is, is Kyle Korver with Shelvin Mack behind him, and then we have Al Horford at the center spot, backed up by the newly acquired Tiago Splitter. So taking a look at this here, what are you watching for in terms of fantasy value, um, about potential things that could uh, be a difference maker or stand out in this matchup? Yeah, there's actually a lot of stuff that is kind of interesting to me with this one. Uh, for starters, looking at the over-under for this game, it's 198.5. So that's a little bit higher than I remember seeing a lot of the Detroit um, totals being last year. I know Atlanta puts up a lot of points, but they didn't give up a ton of points last year either. So one of the things early in the season that I like to try to figure out is where the pace is going to be coming from, which teams are going to be playing you know, high-scoring games because – just by default, the teams that are getting more possessions and playing a little faster, those guys are going to have some more chance for fantasy points. So every year there's a team or two who kind of changes their philosophy around. And I think Detroit might be one of those teams this year where I'm expecting more points to come out of them. So there's a couple things that I want to see with this first game, especially earlier in the year. Um, how does everything work out at the forward position for Detroit? You know, we talked about, like you said, we might as well get into it right now. You got... Rookie Stanley Johnson, small forward. You got a guy like Marcus Morris who could play the small forward or the power forward position. And Ersan Ilyasova at the power forward who we're expecting to be the three guys in that rotation that get a lot. And you and I had talked about this on a previous pod where, you know, neither one of us are huge Ersan Ilyasova fans where we could see a situation where Stanley Johnson and Marcus Morris are on the court at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to see how the minutes break down for those guys and you know, what the rotations look like. Is Johnson just going to be someone playing with the second team? You know, is there going to be times where Morris and Johnson are on the floor together so they're both viable? You know, is Ursan going to be playing 35 minutes? I mean, you know, 
I'm, I'm interested to see stuff like that, especially earlier in the season, because you know you're going to get some injuries, and these are the kind of guys that you'd be looking at to grab off the waiver wire and, you know, add to your roster for the season. Yeah, you know what? I think you've made a great point talking about Stanley Johnson. He is the key here along with Ersan Ilya Silva. If you keep in mind with Ilya Silva, every season that he's played, he's either through injury or ineffectiveness given up his spot as the, as a starting, as a starter at the power forward position. So Anthony Tolliver is no threat to, to him for sure, but Marcus Morris is a guy who could play some four and you could see Stanley. I think that's actually the best starting five. You, you probably nailed it right there with, uh, Marcus Morris at the four mm-hmm. and Stanley Johnson at the three. That's the most impactful um, starting position uh, starters that you can put. And you know, Elias Silva has shown that he has performed fairly well off the bench when he can sort of get more shots and and not worry too much about you know his effectiveness or his shot selection or what he's doing on the floor with a starting five. I the the only issue that we have is that if you know anything about uh, Stan Van Gundy, he absolutely loves 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 having a stretch. Uh, three-point shooting four on the floor. That's just part of his offense. It's why he yep. loved Ryan Anderson so much. And uh, <coughs> he, and he know that Ryan Anderson sort of – he just he was the one who played Ryan Anderson into relevance and got him that big contract that he got served up by the New Orleans Pe- Pelicans. So uh, it, but the, the other thing to keep in mind too is that Marcus Morris can shoot too. He's not – I don't think he's the same sort of uh, grade of shooter as Ilya Sova is. But um, Marcus Morris can can score from inside and outside. He's definitely not the the outside threat that Ilya Sova is. But if the losses start piling up and they start searching for answers, or if you just see that Stanley Johnson's just so much of a monster that he demands more playing time, which is mm-hmm. certain, certainly possible given the preseason that he's had, um, those are some things to keep an eye on. The other thing that I'm keeping an eye on here too is Reggie Jackson, who is a guy that I've tried very hard to go out of my way in drafts to get and unsuccessfully. People are in big on this guy. They saw the sort of lines that he put up towards the end of last season and he was an absolute monster. It was like, he looked like he was not going to come close to justifying the contract they initially gave him uh, when, uh, he, first signed there with Detroit but then towards the end of that those last 20 ish or so games he just started uh, turning into a different player you look at some of these lines here 24 and 11 in the last game of the season with three steals he had a 21 and 15 performance April 8th against Boston uh, 29 11 assists and seven boards and he he went he went three straight games where he went eight seven seven rebounds with nine eleven fifteen assists and twenty points or more scored in each one of those contests. So this is a sort of all around set that you've been looking for. Uh, I wouldn't want to put him in the Westbrook category, but you take a look at their offense right now. It's really just Drummond, um, who's demanding a lot of shots, and then then it's up to Reggie Jackson to, to decide how much he wants to ball hog. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he could be a major factor here for for season long fantasy. And for DFS as well, I know this we're not talking DFS today, but just wanted to, to throw that out there. Something I'm definitely going to be keying on early on the season. If you haven't had your drafts yet, or if you have an opportunity to acquire him, I think he is definitely a lock to be a top 40 player this season. So um, that's what we're looking for from the Detroit side. Now let's flip over to the Atlanta side here. Uh, I think the only sort of interesting thing off the bat here is what happens at the small forward position. Uh, Ken Bazemore is a guy that's on a lot of waiver wires. So, And I'll tell you right now, I'm not particularly excited about Thabo Cephalosha. I don't think he's worthy as a starter. Um, he's a, just like he's like Bruce Bowen. Do you, you remember just ever watching anybody own Bruce Bowen and laughing in yeah. long fantasy? To be honest, like, at least Bruce Bowen, in my opinion, was probably a better shooter. So he at he least was. had that. He was a 3 and D guy. You know, I think Cephalosha is more just a D guy. 
Yeah, he can make a three, but he's not as good. You know what's funny is Bruce Bone actually, I think at one point, had a higher uh, three-point percentage than he had free throw percentage, which is like just clown business. How can you make a corner three, but you can't shoot free throws? I don't get it. You're closer, and no one's guarding you. So well, nobody guarded him in the corner threes most of the time either. He <laughs> was true. wide open on right. most of them. So. That is very, very true. Good point there. All right, so 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 Kenton Bazemore is the guy to pay attention to in my mind. Uh, I think you need to, uh, if you have some guys on your roster, and I've seen so many drafts, and I tell you right now, people who've done their drafts right now have the situation where you're sitting with a guy like um, Gorgie Jang on your bench, or um, I even saw somebody draft Kevin Garnett. You just uh, are various guys who are six men, Josh Smith, people that you think they have some sort of upside. Um, but Ken Bazemore could be a guy who plays 30-plus minutes and keeps the job. I, I know that there are rumblings about uh, the, the Hawks liking Tim Hardaway Jr. Do I'm going to tell you right now, do not like Tim Hardaway Jr. If, if the Hawks like him, I don't. that doesn't mean anything. You should not like him. You, Benny, just give me your thoughts quickly on where you're, you're at if for some magical miracle Tim Hardaway Jr. wins the starting three job. Well, here's, here's kind of my thoughts on it. Um... The thing I like the most about Bazemore is that he could put up points quick. You know, we saw him do it last year when he came on as a sub. Uh, so I think there's a chance that they keep him with the second unit just as the guy who gets a lot of shots and, you know, puts up some points there as well. Uh, another interesting thing for Atlanta that I think I want to look at as well is how many minutes backup point guard Dennis Schroeder gets too because Schroeder's another guy who – could probably start. I mean, we discussed this last time too. He could probably start on, you know, a quarter of the teams in the league at least. And, you know, in Atlanta, he's basically backing up Teague. So I am interested for a season long standpoint to see how the minutes break down, you know, with Schroeder as the backup point guard and also how it breaks down with, uh, you know, the guys at the small forward position. I mean, to start the season, you know, this is the stuff that you want to look at the first couple games. You want to see. You know, is Bazemore going to be getting 30 minutes? Is he going to be in there in crunch time? You know, how do they go with the rotations? You know, things like that. I'm really kind of indifferent to all these guys. I'm not <clears> – <throat> listen, I live in the New York area. I saw Tim Hardaway Jr. play a lot last year. He didn't really do anything that excited me, that made me think that this is a guy that I want to own in season long. Um, you know, sure, if some injuries happen and you want to pick him up, if you know he's going to get 30, 35 minutes and you just need a – you know, a guy off the waiver wire, but I, I don't see him as a starter playing 30, 35 minutes on a really good team like Atlanta. Yeah. So well, I just don't think that, first of all, I don't even think he's a three. I know that he's bigger for a shooting guard, but he really is a two. So he's, I, I'll be surprised if he actually keeps that designation, uh, through, through the season. We, and, and by the way, just for reference to, I'm, I'm probably doing this wrong. I was just taking a look at the, the, uh, Yahoo, um, depth chart matchup. Um, for if you want the absolute best list uh, right now overall, just go over to RotoWire, and you do have to have a subscription to uh, check out the full depth charts. But it'll save you uh, a ton of time and a ton. And this is the most updated chart in uh, uh, fantasy sports period DFS and NBA. It, they they go to great pains to update every piece of injury who's out. They cross a line through anybody who's ruled out. They update the uh the daily lineups throughout the day, which is actually free. So if you're looking, you know, if you're if you're playing, you know, daily daily transaction leagues or in DFS, all that stuff um that that page is actually free to you, but 
this is Rotowire does a, I, don't, I know we work for Rotowire, so it sounds like we're just giving a, a little Homer plug. But in all seriousness, check out other depth charts throughout um, uh, the internet, and I challenge you to find a better one that that, that Rotowire puts together. Their team is is top notch, and they're responsible, by the way, for putting out the actual um, updates, injuries, and inactives, and starting lineups for DraftKings, which is a pretty big deal. So you know that their information has to be on point at all times. So something else to keep in mind. Having said that, on uh, the Rotowire uh, depth chart, Tim Hardaway is listed as the number four shooting guard and the number five small forward. So it doesn't look like he has too much. Uh, he'll be too much of a factor. We'll see how much his minutes uh, end up shaking out here. The next uh, thing uh, I want to mention too here is uh, Paul Millsap. Now this is sort of polarizing guy for me that has often gotten drafted in the top 30 but I, I never for whatever reason I just never bought on, bought in personally in on him as a power forward that I want to own and I want the rebounds to be higher he's averaged 7.8 a game 7.3 for his career 16.7 points per game the one thing that you do get is you get him to chip in from threes and he's pretty efficient from three 35.6% which is good for a power forward um but I'm just never blown away by what he what he offers the, the one issue that uh, one thing that he does better than almost any out power forward is rack up steals 1.8 steals per game from power forward is elite but aside from that i just i'm just blah about uh paul mills so can you tell me why i should be interested in him well he's he's one of the the rare guys we say a lot of times that a guy's a better real life player than a fantasy player uh-huh. i think he's a better fantasy player than a real life player like when you watch him play it doesn't look like he's dominating a game ever Nope. He, he always feels like he's just a piece that's out there, but he's, you know, for, and, and this is kind of a dirty term, but I don't think it's a bad thing. He's basically somebody who's kind of a compiler because if you look at his game and you watch him, nothing really stands out to you. But at the end of the game, when you check the box score, he's got 24 or 26 points. He's got five to seven rebounds. He's got three or four assists. He's got, like you said, a couple steals, a block shot. You know, and he didn't miss a lot of shots. Like, it's not like he takes 30 shots, so it stands out in your head that he's chucking it up. He's just a very efficient player that contributes across the board, which for fantasy is something that, you know, has some value because, like you said, he does things at the power forward position that you don't usually get. So if you get guys who, you know, if you get a point guard who isn't somebody who shoots a lot of threes, having a Millsap on your team can help you make up for that lack of three pointer, you know, three pointers in your, rotisserie scoring leagues that, you know, you don't get from your point guard. If you have a point guard who doesn't get a lot of steals or a small forward who doesn't get a lot of steals, you know, having him can also help make up for that. So he is a guy that can make up for some of the deficiencies in other places. I agree, for a power forward, you'd probably like to see a few more rebounds out of him. But um, he does play a lot of minutes. He is able to score. And, you know, I feel like a lot of times he falls a little bit further down the draft board than he really should. Uh, based on, you know, the numbers and the averages that he comes up with at the end of the year. So if you're strictly a numeric statistical kind of person, you know, his value is actually higher than you would expect at the end of the season when you look at it. So I think that's a reason why, you know, he doesn't stand out to you when you watch Atlanta as, my God, we got to stop Paul Millsap today. But fantasy-wise, you know, his, his numbers, he compiles good numbers every game, and I think that really helps. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. For, for a power forward, it is rare for him to shoot threes and rack up the steals. So that's probably where his value lies in. But I also feel like he's sort of a bum crusher. 
You know, like he'll have a nice game where or his better games come come against lesser competition. But when mm-hmm. he's playing like Chicago, Cleveland, Toronto, some of the better grade teams, like you never see him go for 30 on those teams. So mm-hmm. or you never really see him go for 30 in general. But yeah, so that's sort of where I'm at with him. I, I don't I don't dislike him, but he's just an, an, a guy that whenever I see him on the list, I generally pass him up for a, a, a different point guard or power forward that I like. That's uh, I, I just feel presents uh, more overall upside so uh, but he is a good swiss army knife he's sort of like the power forward version of nicholas batum the counting stats never look like completely awesome but he sort of Mm -hmm. chips in everywhere yeah let's go ahead and move on from this game and we'll talk about the second game on the slate today we have chicago at cleveland uh in this matchup uh overall so Taking a look at these two teams here, obviously we don't have Kyrie Irving starting at the top of this uh, this game here. Um, LeBron has was originally questionable. Um, the good news is we don't have to watch um, about um, uh, Mr. Gladiator Delvadova uh, uh, Del- diving all over the floor. So that's mm-hmm. good. We get Mo Williams at the starting point guard. Kevin Love is back. Tristan Thompson backing him up. Mozgov and Vergel with Mozgov starting. LeBron James at the three with Richard Jefferson behind him and J.R. Smith at the starting two. All right. Um, and then I'll just break down the Chicago ones. We can talk about either side here. Um, we have Pau Gasol currently starting uh, listed here. Now, keep in mind that this is Yahoo's announced starting lineup, and this is a day ahead, So which is why um, – which could potentially differ from the Chicago um, – uh, depth chart right now because right now according to Rotowire, Derek Rose is Jim selected to start, Jimmy Butler at the two, Tony Snell at the three, Miritich at the four, and Pau Gasol at the five. How do you feel about those two starting lineups and what stands out to you to watch in terms of fantasy value? Okay, well, to start the season, I mean if you somehow didn't get point guards or if you don't like the point guards that you have and or even if you just need a guy to pick up for a flex spot that can get you some stats you know, but you know he's a short-term rental... I love Mo Williams. Um, he just puts up numbers when he's out there. He doesn't. He's not shy. He'll put up shots. He dominates the ball. It's in his hand a lot. Um, you know, I think that he's going to be fine. He's gonna he's gonna put up some decent numbers. The problem, like you said, is once Kyrie comes back, he goes he goes back to being on the bench. But he's probably available in everyone's leagues out there. So if he is, and you're in a deep league and you need some help early on in the season, um, you know, I definitely don't mind Mo Williams at all. He's a guy who who I really like. Uh, the other thing that sticks out to me, and I know that you're a huge fan of him, so, you know, let's talk about it. Miritich starting, whether it's at the small forward or the power forward spot, doesn't really make a difference to me. But the fact that he's going to be starting and playing significant minutes this year, you know, that's a big deal. And, again, like we had talked about in the past, if they're saying Miritich at the four and Pau at the five, that means you're bringing guys like Noah off the bench. So that's got to absolutely kill some of his fantasy value. Um, how do you think it's going to work out with the minutes with all amongst all those guys in Chicago? Because they got a lot of bigs to look for. Yeah, you know what I I think personally is I don't like how they have it set up right now. I would prefer uh, that um, Tony Snell maybe not start out of, out of this group. Actually, Tony Snell is sort of a role player there. I don't think the bet the most talented starting five is on the floor, mm-hmm. but maybe this actually makes sense because you you really just need somebody to not want shots and play a role. Personally, I, I, I wouldn't actually mind just seeing them go 
with Miritich at the three or and or Taj Gibson who's athletic for four or four and can guard a lot of some of the bigger threes rather than Tony Snell or put Doug McDermott too. I, I think Doug McDermott would sort of make more sense as a as a shooter because you have Derrick Rose as a penetrator, Jimmy Butler who is more of like just a, an all purpose guy, but and he I know he likes to shoot the three, but he doesn't shoot it at a great percentage. Yeah. And then you just have Miritich as the only guy outside and. Um, as a legitimate threat, Derrick Rose honestly shouldn't be shooting threes. He's not very good at it. So no. there's just, I mean, that does open it up for for Mirchich to, to play the stretch four. But I would like to see somebody else space the floor in this spot, like Doug McDermott. Maybe he's not ready to play, or maybe his defense is not up to snuff. Um, but I would like to see them sort of go with go with a big three lineup here and let uh, like Taj Gibson or even Bobby Portis, who's a, who's a nice sleeper there, um, p- play somewhere at the three or four. And go big on some of these other teams who like to go go quick and small because that team can still run and keep up. They're athletic enough. Um, mm-hmm. So, but having said that, Meritich to me, this is this is breakout time f- for him. The only thing that can stop Meritich is Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler ball hogging. So, and both of them are Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler are usually a good bet for five assists per game. The and the the upside that you have with Meritich is Fred Hoiberg. If you know anything about him, I believe he was at was at Iowa State. Last yep. year, he runs a track meet in terms of offense. So you're not going to see the whole Thibodeau slow it down 80 to 86 ball that you did from Chicago. These Chicago should be should have some totals in the 200s on a consistent basis if they play the speed that they want to play. So that should mean a lot of um, quick shots, a lot of heaving up threes, a lot of um, running gun, which is good for for Mertich and good for everybody mm-hmm. uh, in terms of. Uh, fantasy value. The other thing too is we know that uh, Derek Rose is not a great bet to stay healthy all season long, which could also open. Whenever you saw that there were various injuries happening throughout the lineup in, in different spots with either like Noah or you know Jimmy Butler was hurt for a time and Derek Rose, Miritich, whenever he got the shot, the, the chance to get 15 plus shots, he was pretty much making it rain. So I'm in on him. I, I was very disappointed that I passed on him at like the top of the sixth round. Um, I forget who I drafted, but I was trying to see if I could get Nick Miritich, you know, just three picks later at the top of the seventh, and somebody else took him, and I was very, very pissed. So if you haven't had your draft yet, or if you're going to be playing some daily, um, you should definitely try to get some shares of Miritich uh, before his price rises. So um, mm-hmm. that's how I basically feel about that. Now let's talk about the other side of the ball. Um, r- really quickly, or the other other team on the court. I think there's some clear voids in some of these situations overall. I'm okay with Kevin Love. I don't think he's necessarily a top 30 player. He's probably borderline for me. I just need to see more out of him offensively. It's probably a good thing for him that Kyrie Irving is not in the lineup, but we know Mo, Mo Williams is more of a shooter than a passer. So um, I don't think that there's going to be too many more shots in line for him. Um this season as opposed to last season. The other thing that I will say is I really don't want any any shares of Mozgov, Verjo, or Tristan Thompson for for fantasy for season long this season. 100% agree with you there. Yeah, there's just not enough uh, volume or of a role for them in that offense. The only thing that you can sort of look for in terms of opportunity potential is some games where LeBron potentially gets rested. Then I will be much more interested in Kevin Love. I'll be interested in Emma Williams, and I'll even maybe take a flyer on Verjo. Uh, the other, here, I want to get your take on the, another guy here, J.R. Smith, who to me, I think he's ownable in season long, probably in 12 teams and up, not in 10 teams, but he really is like the East Coast version of, of Nick Young, but as a starter. What, what do you think? Here? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything you said, 
except for I think he's actually ownable in 10 teams too. And let me just explain why. LeBron draws so much attention when he's on the floor, when he goes to the basket, when he does that. J.R. Smith put up some big numbers last year and was able to score. Now, if you look down at some of the shooting guards, you know, that you have available, if you're in, a, you know, even a 10-team league, if you need a backup shooting guard in a 10-team league, I still put J.R. Smith in the top 20 in the league. You got maybe five or six guys who you really, really want. But then after that, you know, like a guy like Kyle Korver, well, J.R. Smith can do a lot of what Kyle Korver does. If you're playing in a league that counts, you know, field goal percentage or three-point percentage, obviously Korver's a better bet than J.R. Smith, but... JR does a little more rebounding, a little more of some of the other stuff than Corver does. He saw a ton of minutes last year, and I expect him to see a ton of minutes this year, too. And the guy can just score. Like, I mean, it is the one thing that he can do, but there's value to that in fantasy, you know, to have a guy that's going to actually put up some numbers for you, and also a guy who's going to play a lot. Like, JR Smith's a guy who can play 40 minutes if you ask him to. Um, you know, you kind of don't want to see 40 minutes of JR Smith, and, you know, a lot of people make fun of him sometimes, but. The guy can score, he can put up numbers, and I think he's kind of has a role on that Cleveland team where they kind of ask him to take some shots and to score, you know, especially from the outside when you got guys like Kyrie and LeBron that are penetrating, you know, when his man sloughs off and they kick it out to him. I mean, you know, you're basically saying to J.R. Smith, stand at the three-point line and shoot. I mean, he must think he, like, wound up in heaven right now. You know, he's getting open shots, playing with two of the best guys in the league that can get themselves to the basket. And they said, yeah, we just need you to stand there and shoot. JR's like, okay. You know, like, really? That's what you're going to pay me to do? I, I would have done that anyway. Yeah. So, you know, I think um, I think it's actually a pretty good spot for him in Cleveland. And like we said, you know, the thing about having LeBron on his team is I think LeBron has that kind of dominant personality where he can help keep him in check a little bit. And I think that he's going to be in, I mean, you know, I'm not going to go and grab him in like the top five or six rounds, but as a... As a shooting guard that you can get later in a draft, I definitely think he has some value. And I also wanted to touch on one other thing that you were saying before with with the, you know, Chicago and the pace and Hoiberg. If you remember, Chicago was a team that you know we used to see routinely see spreads in the 184. When Miritich was playing last year, they were already playing at a little bit of a faster pace, and you were seeing spreads for their games routinely touching on 200. So with him being a starter and playing a lot of minutes now and the, and the new system that they have in place, I think you're easily going to see them playing a lot of games in the 200s this year. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's something to keep an eye on for you if you're going forward. And when you do things like that, you think of like – I don't want to compare them to the Golden State Warriors uh, because, you know, obviously they're the NBA champs. But that's the sort of pace that I think Fred Hoiberg is sort of trying to model after. You just see – if you saw some of those games, just like – Every six or seven seconds down, Curry pull up three, Clay Thompson pull up three, driving to the hole, you know, quick passes, you know, um, uh, football passes down court. That's all sort of things that they want to try, sort of generate and put a ton of pressure on the other team and just bury them. And which is why I think that they don't have the, the optimal setup with, with Tony Snell on the floor, uh, to sort of do that. But with like Doug McDermott or even, you know, uh, Taj Gibson might make a little bit more sense depending on how they want to play so 
uh, we'll, we'll see how that ends up sh- shaking out overall. But something to pay attention to going forward. Uh, before we move forward, I want to quickly let you know that fantasy football has just gotten a lot more interesting. Week 8 is upon us, and DraftKings will be ho- hosting another millionaire, millionaire Maker event with $1.2 million going to first place. So go to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to play free with your first deposit on DraftKings. That's promo code ROTOWIRE for a free entry with your first deposit at DraftKings.com. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is Draft. DraftKings, welcome to the big time. And speaking of big time, Benny, the NBA games have now been released for all DFS sites, including DraftKings. So I'm super excited to get in there and uh, get all your DFS NBA action. We're going to be talking a lot of NBA DFS here on the Rotowire DFS podcast uh, throughout the season as well. So very exciting time uh, for DraftKings, yep. for DFS, you'll, and for season. You'll already, you'll already see my name in a lot of those uh, tournaments, to be honest with you. I started making <laughs> rosters yesterday. <laughs> Very nice, very nice. All right, one more game to preview here, Benny. We have another. I think it's all three games start at five o'clock, if I'm if I'm correct. Uh, oh no, the last one is is seven thirty West Coast time. New Orleans at the defending champs, Golden State. This is the re, uh, rematch of the first round uh, sweep of the uh, NBA playoffs. Here, taking a look at the uh, starting positions for the Golden State Warriors. No surprises here uh, overall, with the exception is to uh, to uh, as to whether or not they were going to end up starting Andre Iguodala, and looks like they are not. Stephen Curry at the at the at the point, Clay at the two, Harrison Barnes three, Draymond Green at the four, Andrew Bogut at the five. Andrew Bogut um was slightly banged up here uh, overall with a um um I guess a broken nose. So we'll see how if that if he's able to return by the opener. But it looks like he. Um, we'll just wear a fitted mask and should be okay to go as far as we can tell. Something to keep an eye on. If he doesn't play, they could go with uh, Festa Cazelli behind him or start Maurice Spates uh, in that spot. Either way, I don't think we're really worried about the fancy impact at the center position. Uh, taking a look at the other side for the starting uh, positions here, Drew Holley is potentially uh, is listed as a starter, but he has a minutes cap placed on him following the uh, the knee surgeries and the issues that he's had with his leg. So Nate Robinson is really the only point guard of note behind him. They do have Norris Cole on the roster, but Norris Cole is currently out with a uh, a left ankle sprain and could be up to, out up to six weeks um, as of the October October twelfth news on RotoWire. So that's going to put him out pretty much well into November. So could be towards the end of November, maybe December overall. So Nate Robinson could have, could have a pretty big role here. You got Eric Gordon at the two, Dante Cunningham at the three, Anthony Davis at the four, and then uh, Kendrick Perkins, uh, who looks like he's going to fill in as a starter, while Omar, Omar Sheik and Alexis Ajinkin, uh sort of recover. I, uh, Omar Sheik went out with a calf string on October 8th. So it's possible that you could see him in the starting lineup. We just haven't had any updates as of yet. So we'll have to pay attention to all the news tomorrow. So taking a look at these two rosters here, what stands out to you in terms of fantasy value? Um, well, to start the season, here's a here's another sneaky guy, um, especially considering that Tyreek Evans is going to be out and Drew Holiday is a little banged up. I think Eric Gordon is kind of going overlooked. I actually looked and saw him on the waiver wire in uh, – a couple 12 teamers that I was in. And I think he has a little bit more value than that to, to be sitting on the waiver wire. I think people just kind of forget about him. And he had a couple decent games last year when a couple guys were hurt. So without Tyreek Evans in there dominating the ball, I think you're going to, you're going to need to see somebody do something on the outside for them. And, um, 
you know, I think that Gordon could be one of those guys for uh, New Orleans. Obviously, if you were lucky enough to end up with, uh, you know, Anthony Davis in your draft, congratulations. He's going to be a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other than that, I mean, there's not a lot that I really like on this New Orleans team as far as fantasy production. I mean, if you can, you know, if a uh, seeks a guy who can rebound a little bit. So if he got thrown on your, you know, on your waiver wire or someone dropped him because he got banged up, you know, maybe you pick him up, but. I mean, I'm not loving all that much for guys that I want to, you know, have on my season-long team. I, I don't see a ton to build around in New Orleans other than, uh, you know, Anthony Davis, really. Yeah, it's you know, I'm just sort of disappointed, too, by what New Orleans did in the offseason, too, because they have Anthony Davis a huge contract. You feel like they're supposed to be all in here um, with, you know, what, what they're um, – uh, Potentially doing what I wanted to actually see them do is just start Ryan Anderson off the top here with along with Anthony Davis. I know they want Anthony Davis to shoot more threes as well, but that's your best five. I know that mm-hmm. he's been a, a like a good weapon and he's still been you know very productive off the bench here. I just don't feel like you know Omar Sheik or Anthony Davis are guys that you know you should. I know and then maybe they're just that's them just trying to protect Anthony Davis and keep him um, you know at at the four position. But I would really just rather see them start Ryan Anderson and just put the best offense available because you're playing out there in the West and there's just there's nothing but heat and firepower out there in the West and I don't think oh, yeah. you're yeah you're not gonna match firepower with firepower with Omar Sheik and Anthony Davis at the five and then Dante Cunningham um, at the three is it's just there's just a disappointing amount of lack of uh, of depth. Overall, I know that they will, you know, projected to start Tyreek Evans and sort of protect Drew Holiday. If you knew this was the issue, you needed to go out and make a move for a three. They could have gotten some, some, if they would have just paid up a, a fair amount. It's not like how, like they have a ton of money committed to anybody but Anthony Davis. I know Ryan Anderson's got a good contract, but the salary cap's going up. They could have made a move for like a Marco Bellinelli. They could have, uh, tried to, uh, acquire some of, some of these other teams that, that, uh, had some depth. Matt Barnes would have been a better pickup than what they have available. Matt Barnes at the three would probably be there like a, an automatic starter um, at this point. Josh Smith was out there. Josh Smith actually would probably would be somebody that could have been useful in fantasy if he was on the right team. But now he's buried on that roster with Paul Pierce and Wesley Johnson out there in the Clippers. I just Lance Stevenson would be another guy that would have made sense that was out there and, and, and available. So I'm just pretty disappointed if I'm the like a New Orleans Pelicans fan. Other than the fact that you resign Anthony Davis and now you have to sit and watch. You know, your second best player, Tyreek Evans, sit on the sidelines for, you know, potentially too much. Uh, so, uh, that's the, the issue that, that we have here. Um, so any other spots or positions that we could take a look at on another side that we may be watching for fantasy value? I mean, I think Nate Robinson is coming off the bench is going to be, as probably going to play more minutes than, than uh, if, Drew Holiday. I think, so, yeah, I think he makes, he makes some sense if you're in a deep league. Um, you know, as a guy that you can pick up, <clears throat> you know, if you, if you're in a league where, you know, the, the pickings are kind of slim, uh, on the point guard spot, you know, he's somebody who's probably going to get more minutes than most people would think when they see his name. He's not just going to be the second string guy. Um, as long as, at least for the early part of the season, as long as Holiday is limited and, you know, with Tyreek Evans out, who's usually somebody who dominates the ball when he's in there. Um, they really don't have other guys that they can slide into that point guard spot. So I think you're going to see a good amount of minutes at a, at a Nate. I, I, I can't touch Kendrick Perkins. I don't care if he's no. starting or playing 30 minutes or not. He just doesn't put any points up. Right. Uh, <clears throat> you know, kind of same thing goes for Dante Cunningham. If you know he's going to get some minutes, 
he might be a good guy to add for a little while, but I mean, these aren't guys that I want to build my team around or that I would expect to have on my roster from the start of the season to the end. They're guys that are just picking them up for a little bit because I got injuries or an open spot or something. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I just don't see a lot of upside other than Davis and, you know, the guys that we mentioned early. You know, this may sound crazy, but I think what you're going to have happen is you're going to have Anthony Davis have some monster games here at the beginning of the season. You can actually, uh, I don't know, nobody's going to recommend this but me probably, but if he starts out there and puts out some like 40 and 10 with three threes and five blocks and stuff like that, you see him try to do everything because it's really just him and Eric Gordon out there with and Ryan Anderson off the bench. So they mm-hmm. need him to go just big to stay in some of these games early on i might just see if i could just just like kill somebody in a trade who loves anthony davis and just sort of like get a first and a second and like a and a fifth just see if i can just just murder somebody in a deal like you know give me kevin durant uh kyle lowry and you know uh, let me think who's who's somebody that would be like top 50 level but you would be interested oh my like isaiah thomas is like in the top 75 give me like three for one and i dropped the last two guys off my roster and you know because i have a feeling he's gonna destroy at the beginning of the season because or 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 they're just gonna lose games one of the two and everything that we've heard about anthony davis adding the three-pointer adding muscle to him in the offseason says that he's Mm -hmm. set up to just be an absolute monster and nobody's gonna want to trade him because they're gonna be love what he's gonna do for them in the beginning of the season especially with no tyreek but this is your chance to just, you know, I'm I'm of the opinion, I don't know about you, Benny, that any, everybody's available on my team. I will trade anybody for the right price. I'm not in love oh, yeah. with, with anybody. So Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, you got to think of is if he really is the only guy on their team doing anything, they're going to want him on the court as much as possible. Right. And, I mean, as much as I love Anthony Davis, it's not like he doesn't have an injury history that you right. got to consider. Mm-hmm. So for season long, like you said, if he comes out and just goes absolutely ham, and someone's willing to offer you, you know, a, a huge package in order to get him. Yeah. I don't think it's the worst idea ever. You know, not that you ever want to get a guy like that off your team, but there's definitely some merit to it. Yeah, I just, I, I will trade trade a guy if I feel like I can kill somebody in a deal. I don't care if it's my number one pick or not. Some people just want that guy, you know, or they're Anthony Davis fans or they're Pelican. You know, there's there's a bunch of different reasons that you could make that move, but. I'm not saying you should. I'm saying you should. You should actually check in on the price. You might want to just put them on the block and see what see what people throw at you. If you don't like it, you don't have to take it. So, mm-hmm. all right, uh, that is going to wrap it up for the Rotowire DFS. Po- I'm sorry, the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Stay tuned for the Rotowire DFS Podcast uh, coming back tomorrow, covering uh, NBA and NFL throughout the week for your DFS options. Stay tuned for that. Uh, don't forget to follow Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and follow me on Twitter at JoshHayesFS if you have any comments, questions, or complaints. You can always subscribe to the Rotowire, D- Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I, I host too many shows. Sorry, guys. Um, uh, anytime that you want here on iTunes and Stitcher, please leave us a rating review. Don't forget to subscribe. And we'll see you back here next time for the uh, next episode tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everybody.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.